0: We're in the middle of a series called uh, talk, talking about Abraham and his life and his journey of faith. It, it's a series of, you know, this is the Lenten season. we were coming up to uh, Palm Sunday and to Easter just a few weeks away. It's in March this year, kind of crazy. But uh, Lent is a time where you get to reflect on your life with Christ, a time where you get to reflect on your relationship with Jesus in your and in your walk and your path that you are on with God. And and Abraham has an incredible story that can speak into every one of our lives. His story of faith, his, his journey of faith is so relevant to each one of us that as we read it and as we look at his life and his story, you can pick out parts that belong to you. Parts that you're looking at that you're going, yes, I understand that completely. That is me. I mean, different circumstances. Obviously, thousands of years separate you, but you believe in God. And, and as you walk in your life with Christ, There are these turmoils and there's these decisions and choices and leaps of faith that you must make. And as you look at Abraham's journey, we see those things. And time and time again, as I read his story, I find something uh, that is relevant to me and is meaningful to me. And so this time of Lent, what we wanted to do as a church was to look through Abraham's lens, through his story, his faith journey at our own. And to really reflect on who we are in our walk with Christ. Now, some of us haven't even started that walk. Some of us hadn't begun down that path, and we realize that. And, and, and we pray to God that you would make that decision in that first step. Some of us are new on the journey, and we've just started breaking in our shoes, and we're just starting to walk with Christ. And then others of us have got holes in our shoes. We've been walking so long with Jesus. It's been uphill both ways and downhill, and it, you know, and we've been through it all, and you've walked through it. But each one of us can learn something from his life and from his story. Each one of us can learn something new and relevant. Abraham was called by God to do something extraordinary, something amazing. To leave everything he knew and go to a land that he had never seen. God didn't tell him about it. God didn't show it to him. He just said, go. I'll tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. And he did. And he did. That's the most amazing thing is God said, said Abraham, he said, here I am. Whatever you want, I'm going to Go. And there's a reason you might not know why that is so amazing for him. He grew up in, a, in an area and in a time and in a land where uh, it wasn't just, he didn't just believe in one God. His people were not the monotheistic type that we know Abraham now today as. He grew up in a land that, that believed in many different gods. In fact, there was a very big importance placed on the zodiac where he lived, where he grew up as a boy and as a child and, and been raised in this area that the stars were very important to him. If it was written in the stars, then it was something to be believed. Genesis 15 is where I will be today. If you have your text, open up to Genesis 15. And by this point, Abraham has been called out. He said, you know, God said, leave, go to the land that I will show you later. Just go. And he says, okay, leave your family behind. But he gets to take his nephew Lot with him and his wife and all of his possessions and things. So they travel off. They get to the point where uh, both Lot and Abraham are very blessed by God. And they have tons of cattle and sheep, and they have to make these tough decisions. And basically, it boils down to Abraham says, whatever, God, I trust you. Whatever happens in my life, I'm going to trust you. I don't care what happens. I just trust you. And we get to this point where God comes to him again. Chapter 15, verse 1. Afterward, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you. And your reward will be great. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Since I don't have a son, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. You have given me no children, so one of my servants will have to be my heir. Then the Lord said to him, No, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own to inherit everything I am giving you. Then the Lord brought Abram outside beneath the night sky and told him, Look up into the heavens and count the stars if you can. Your descendants will be like that. Too many to count. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord declared him righteous because of his faith. Here's a question. The title of of today is The Basis for Belief. The Basis for Faith. What is faith? Well, that's a hard question. That's a hard question. That is, that is a, a, one of those theological questions that, you know, why is the sky blue? Okay. Well, I can go down the physics route with you. And somebody at the 9:30 service told me it's because, um, God is a Tar Heel fan and it's actually Carolina blue. Um, I said he was going to burn for that one, but, uh, you know, why is the sky blue? Okay. Well, you can get it. Well, the light spectrum that comes from the sun is composed of Roy G Biv, red, orange, yellow, and then go through all those things. And the ozone absorbs all those colors, except blue, it refracts in such a way that you see the sky as blue. Yeah. It's boring stuff, right? I, I love physics and I, you know, I think a lot. It, but why is the sky blue? Okay. I guarantee you, if I asked that question to this front row who's not even listening to me right now, yeah, he's got called out youth, right in front of your parents too, Tawawa. Uh, uh, you know, I, I asked them that question, they wouldn't have known. But if I said, is the sky blue? Yeah, sure it is. Of course the sky's blue. How do you know that? Because I just see it. Okay, what if you live in Seattle? Is the sky blue in Seattle? No. Like 300 days out of the year, it rains in Seattle. The sky's not blue. yeah, somebody from Seattle. Okay, we were in Seattle last month uh, or two months ago in January, I did a wedding there. And uh, when we left, it was a typical Seattle day. The sky was just, it was nasty. The sky was all covered with clouds and it was just kind of raining. Rain there is just a constant wet. It's not like hard rain here. It's just constant wet. So you walk outside and you're like, Ugh. it's like college station really, you thought the humidity and you, you know, it's just there. But then we got on the plane and we took off. And as soon as we broke through that cloud bank, guess what I saw? Blue skies perfectly crystal clear blue sky. I mean, it was so bright and pretty and blue that everyone instinctively just went and shut the shades, you know, cause it was so bright. It was just an immediate, like, Whoa, what just happened? These people from Seattle just crawled back in their cave, but blue sky was there. Even though there was this cloud bank, even though there were these clouds that were there, the blue sky was there. And you know what I get? I, I guarantee you, if you talk to people in Seattle and, and you know, we have one, he plays guitar right here. He's from Seattle. They know that the sky's blue. You just know. It's just something you grow up, you know. It's blue. It's blue. Hey, God exists. God lives. Jesus Christ will save you. Jesus Christ will forgive you. He will guarantee you eternal life if you just believe in him. How do you know? Ooh, that's a little different. Because I can't really see that. I can't look up in the sky. I can't raise above the cloud deck and see it. I just, how do you know? That's a tougher question, isn't it? Somebody recently asked me a question. How do I know that I'm forgiven? I've read these things. I've seen this, you know, my past, the life that I've lived in my past. I've read the stuff. I've heard you say it, that Jesus Christ will wash your sins away. But how do I know that? You know, I get it up here, but how do I get it right here? And so I went off onto this whole, she emailed me this question. I'm like, wow, okay, that's a big question. Here we go. And then I went, wait a minute, what do I say? And so I you know, went off onto this blue sky tangent. How do you know? You just know. You just know. See, here's the thing. How did Abraham know that what God promised him would be true? God says, I'm going to give you descendants so many that you can't count them. Does anybody know how many descendants Abraham has? Two billion. Last estimate, there were two billion Christians, believers in Christ, that have ever lived since the beginning of... that time, Abraham's time. Anyone who's a believer in Christ, is a follower of the way, is one of his descendants. That's what God talks about. That is what he means. Two billion. But how did, how did Abraham get it? You know, God says, I'm going to give you so many descendants that you can't even count them. So, oh, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Okay. So, okay, come with me outside. Let's, let's take a walk. Let's leave the tent. Let's leave outside. Now look up. You see the star, stars? Count them. You can't. That's what I'm talking about. Then Abraham goes, I get it. I get it. Okay. I understand and I believe. And God says, because you believe, you are righteous. So here's the deal. Here's what I want to say. Two things. To have faith, two things got to happen. One, God's got to speak to you in a way that is relevant. God's got to speak to you in a way that you can understand. And two, you've got to maybe move to hear. You've got to do something to hear. Okay, I, I told you earlier that Abraham grew up in a, in a land where zodiac, where the Zodiac was highly important and they studied it and they knew the stars. So when God takes him outside and shows him the stars, he's like, ah, now you're speaking my language. Now I know what you're talking about, God. You know, before we're in the tent and I'm confined and my mind isn't like kind of there. I'm not, but you take me outside to the stars. I grew up knowing this. I grew up believing this. I grew up studying the stars. If it was written in the stars, then it was so. So God takes him outside and said, okay, I'm going to speak to you in a way that you're going to understand me. Look at the stars. He's like, oh, now I get it. See, God, God speaks in ways that we understand because he knows if he doesn't, he won't reach us. That's the cool thing about God is he knows who we are and he knows how we need to hear it. I mean, God created every one of us. You can look around the room and not see anybody that is exactly like you. I mean, the ingenious mind of God, the imagination that God must have to come up with me and you and you and you and all of us. He knows what, how we need to hear things. You know, when God called me to, to ministry, as I look back, I see that he had been calling me for quite some time, yet I was not listening. I was not prepared to hear. He was not speaking necessarily in a way that I understood. And then it was that night in Oklahoma that I've told you about when I had this dream. It was a very vivid dream, and I went, I get it! Now you're talking my language. It was like a little movie in my mind. Television. You should have just been on TV. God, I would have understood you quicker. God, need, God needed to speak to me in a way that I understood. He needed to show me the stars. You know, So God, God, God will speak to us in ways that we understand. Not all of us are wired, you know, in a way that is, you know... Okay, seminary. I mean... If you've been here, you know my thoughts about seminary. I'll right, uh, we'll get back to that. I did a lot, a lot of crossword puzzles in seminary. Uh, they used to they were trying to train me to be an academic. Was was my problem. Is they were trying to train me to go on and get my PhD and to go and I'm like, "Dude, I want to be a pastor." You know, okay theology is great and wonderful and all these ancient theologians and you know John of the Juan de la Cruz John of the Cross is great and he has great writings St Augustine wonderful dude yeah okay teach me how to be a pastor you know so that was my kind of my problem with it but there's a lot of people in seminary that come out of seminary and they teach you a lot of really big words and a lot of really big things that you know are just way up here and you say them out to people and they're like what did you I have no idea what you just said you know eschatology ooh yeah What does eschatology mean? Anybody know what eschatology means? It talks about the end times. Yes, a few of you know. Yeah. Okay, theodicy. What about that one? No, that's not the odyssey put together. Theodicy. Anybody know what that is? The juxtaposition of God exists in the world. God is all powerful. God is all... Evil exists in the world. God is all powerful. God is all loving. How do those three things come together? Theodicy. Okay, there's all this stuff that I learned in seminary that I'm like... I'm not going to get up on Sunday morning and start going, <clears throat> okay, ethicologically speaking, the theodicy of. Because y'all be like, what? what the heck did Crocker just say? But there are people that do that, people that get out of seminary and they, and God love them, you know, they have their they have their sermons and they have them written down and they have, you know, in their little binders and they, they start throwing out Greek and Hebrew and all those things and that loses me. You know, you start talking about Greek and Hebrew, I'm like, it's all Greek to me. You know, I have. To what did you say? Some people operate at that level though. Some people operate way up there and they love to think theologically and they love to to grasp their minds around those incredibly just wild things. And, you know, and they love the Greek and they love the Hebrew and that's, that's wonderful. But God doesn't speak to everybody that way. I mean, I've said many times, if it weren't for this guy, Todd, actually it weren't for the girl, Brooke, that I was following to go see this guy, Todd speak, you know, I probably wouldn't have been as into my walk with Christ at the time I was because I got to hear this guy who spoke just like I did, who had the same history that I did. And he was like, but Jesus still loves me. And I was like, oh, all right. Okay. I got it. I kind of get it now. You know, we each operate on different levels for some of us. It is, you know, through reading and through quiet times and through, you know, an hour of prayer and meditation for me. Oh my goodness. That would drive me nuts. I'm way too scattered. For me, it's outside, it's outdoors, it's doing stuff. And I see God's creation, I'm like, ooh, there's a truth. There's something that just popped. You know, God talks to all of us in different ways. He's going to reach us. Here's the second point. We've got to be ready to do it. One, and we have to maybe bend ourselves in order to hear him. You know, he took Abraham outside of the tent. He said, okay, let's go outside of the tent. I'm going to speak to you in a way that's relevant, but you've got to be willing to come. You have to be willing to come and open yourselves up so that I can move in your life. Moses, same thing. Moses had to get off his path and go see that bush, right? He had to get off the path of what he was walking. He had to walk over here and God's like, boom. I don't know if God actually did that, but. We have to be willing to bend ourselves, to be willing to, to shape and to change and to go different places so that God can reach us. We have to be willing to let God speak to us. That's the thing. You know, Abraham was clearly open and willing. I mean, hello. God said, move, leave everything you've ever known to somewhere I'm not even going to show you. Just trust me and go. Okay. Here we go. And he goes out on this journey. Sometimes all God wants us to do is stop and spend 30 minutes with him. Sometimes all he wants us to do is change our day in such a way that we wake up 30 minutes or earlier. And we just stop and we listen. I mean, not all the time is God asking us to leave our families and leave our homelands and travel some great distance. For some people, that's true. Go to Africa, be a missionary. But for most of us, it's something small where God wants us to take a step off the path and say, boo. We have to be willing, we have to be open to hear God's voice, God's leading. How, how often do we do we try to control our environment so much that we're not allowing God to come in? That's you know, faith. Faith is being willing to take that step, being willing to have God meet us. God's constantly pursuing us, constantly after us, constantly right over our shoulders, just waiting for, him to, for us to turn around and just go, Whoa, I got you now have to be willing we have to be willing to take that walk to take that first step and that's what it's all about e- even if you've been walking with jesus for a long time god still wants you to, to bend god still wants to meet you even if you think you have it under control like i know it all man i got it all i've, I've been with jesus for years and years and years and years and years i've been on the ups i've been in the downs i got a good prayer life all this stuff god still can meet you god still can shake your world and he wants to Here's the thing. In, in Abraham's life, he had eight conversations with God. Eight. hundred years. Eight times God spoke to him. He didn't have this. I mean, he didn't have the, the New Testament for certain. And he didn't have the Old Testament because, you know, he is the Old Testament, right? He didn't have any of these things. He didn't have the text. He didn't have God's word. God talks to us all the time. God is constantly here waiting for you to come to him and go, all right, God, Psalm 37, go. I'm open. I'm ready. I'm willing. That's, that's the beauty. That's the advantage of what we have over Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and those guys. I mean, they didn't have this. Sure, they had some amazing things. They had some cool things going on. They, you know, pretty powerful stuff back in the day. But we get to go to God's word. God will speak to us anytime we want and here's, here's the thing about this, this book right here. You know, I've, I've seen many different interpretations. I've heard many stories. I've heard uh, of this one very liberal pastor that threw the Bible across the room and let it hit a wall. And he's like, it's just a book and words. I was like, ooh. It's the lightning. Here's the thing about this. Every time you open it, every time you open it, something powerful happens. You may not recognize that something powerful happens at the time. Something powerful and amazing happens when you take that step, because this is taking a step out of the norm and opening the Bible and spending five, 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes in it, reading. God is moving. God is moving. You know, it, it may be a month, two months, a few days. It may be hours later that you go, whoa. But God is moving. Here's the other cool thing about it. You can read a scripture thousand times and maybe every time you read it something different appears that's the cool thing about the scripture that's the cool thing about the living word of god is that it doesn't change and yet never stays the same jenna my wife was uh recently she had a, a quiet time and she came back to me and she was telling me about this verse that she was reading and it was something that she had read many 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 times and she goes it was totally different today totally different same Bible she's always had, same little notes outside, you know, same thing, open up the Bible, same page as well, you know, all this stuff. But it was different today. Why? Because God wanted, because she took a step and God wanted to meet her and speak to her in a different way today. He wants to do that to all of us, to all of us. He wants to meet us if we just take that step out. You know, the basis for belief is, you know, faith in God belief in Jesus Christ, how do you know? Well, I'm going to say you just know, but if you're not willing to take that step, if you're not willing to open yourself up, to chisel out your ears that you would hear the words of the Holy Spirit, how are you going to know? How are you ever going to break through that cloud bank and see that crystal clear blue sky that is always there? That's the thing I want to challenge all of us today. Open it. Open the Word of God. Let God speak to you. Take that step off the path and go see the burning bush. Leave your tent and look up at the sky. Get on the plane and break through the clouds so that you can see. Open it and let God meet you and speak to you. I just challenge you to do that this this week, this Lenten season, for the rest of your life, no matter where you are on your journey, no matter where you are, if you've just begun, if you haven't even begun yet, come see me, we'll get you started. It's not that hard. Trust me. If you've been doing it for years and years and years and you feel like you're kind of in a rut, take a step and let God blow you over again. That's the thing. That's the thing that I love about this story of Abraham right here. I mean, the guy had such a great and powerful and incredible faith. I mean, to do the things that he did. To do the things that he did. And yet he was constantly willing to do something more. Now, now, now listen to me right here. There's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can do or have to do. To receive the gift of grace. To receive salvation. Nothing. But if you want to meet God a little deeper. A little more closely. Take that step out. And remind yourself why you believe what you believe. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. For this time that we get to come together and to worship you, to praise you. We thank you, God, that you give us your words and your wisdom through the text. That you allow us to hear your voice anytime we want, just by sitting down and opening up a book. God, it's not just any book, and that's the amazing thing about it. It is your living word a word that never changes yet every time we open it it could be different you could be revealing something new to us but the truth is always the same that you are that you were and that you will always be that Jesus Christ lived on this earth that he suffered and died for us all we got to do is accept it Lord help us Father to truly know that not just in our head but in our heart just as we know the sky is blue, we know that you exist. And we know that we will find grace and salvation through you. As we sang earlier, God, sin has lost its power and death has lost its sting because of you. We thank you and praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.